Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And before we get into today's Week 13 preview, the 7-5 Washington Commanders traveling up to MetLife Stadium to face the 7-4 New York Giants in a massive NFC East matchup. As always, this episode and all of our podcasts are brought to you by our friends at BetOnline, who continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs, including first-to-market odds and lines. Whether you want to bet on the NFL, college football, the NBA, NHL, eSports, golf, whatever you think about betting under the sun, you can bet over at BetOnline. So head on over to the website today to use our promo code, BELIEVE50. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to get 50% off your first deposit over at BetOnline.com. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let's jump in to today's episode, a jam-packed episode previewing our first look this year of the 7-4, and four, Brian Dayball, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, injury-riddled New York Giants, a team that has not played well over the last month of the season. They've lost three of their last four games heading into today. So they're a ball club after riding high, starting out 6-1. and one. They're a ball club right now that's really started to come down to earth. You look over their past month of the season after starting out 6-1. and one, They traveled to Seattle and lost by 14. They came back that next week, beat the Texans by 8, who obviously Washington ran over in Houston. They lost to the Lions at home by 13. And then last week, they traveled down to Dallas and lost by 8, 28-20 against the Dallas Cowboys. So this is a matchup from the outside looking in that's a really good spot for the Commanders to get to 8-5 and five and to force the Giants to 7-5. and five. A really good spot with a game in hand because remember, Washington heads to the bye week after this week. And then who do we face right after that? Well, we host the New York Giants. So it's almost like a little NBA schedule here where it's a home-and-home with each team. We're traveling to New York this week. You got a bye week. Then you host New York the following. So we're going to see New York these next three weeks. It's going to be a lot of talk about the New York Giants because right now they're third in the NFC East behind Dallas. Washington's fourth. But New York is the sixth seed in the NFC. Washington is the seventh seed. Dallas is the five seed. Philly's the one seed. This is a huge game, just like last week was against the Atlanta Falcons, towards the NFC playoff picture as we move towards Christmas. Each game now increases a little bit in those high-leverage situations to where every single throw, every single run, every single down, every single snap is is just magnified to the utmost degree because you're creeping towards playoff time and you don't want to be the guy that makes that mistake to lose the ball game. This is the spot that the Burgundy and Gold have placed themselves in. After starting one and four 
and now at seven and five, they are playing damn good ball. Six and one in their last seven. Now you go on the road in a divisional game. We saw what Washington did the last time they had a divisional game on the road. It was Monday night in prime time, and they whooped the Philadelphia Eagles. It wasn't just an, a, a kind of a nail-biting win. Washington played extremely good ball on both sides, including special teams as well, when they traveled up to Philadelphia just a few weeks ago and beat down on the Philadelphia Eagles. This is another chance to really set your foot on the neck of the rest of the NFC and say, hey, look, Washington's here to play ball. And they're not just a fluke team that's playing decent ball behind Taylor Heineke. And it's a fun story because he's not a world beater and they're just playing decent football and they're rallying around some things. Washington is a really good ball club. We've talked about the improvements that this team has made. The adversity that they've been through. The games in which they've won, how they've won them, and the games in which they've lost that they really could have won. The Minnesota game, the Tennessee game. Those are games in the back of my head consistently that tells me the performance ceiling of this team. And going into this Sunday, I don't want to see a letdown. Because as we get into the Giants, and as we get into the roster, you'll understand from a roster perspective, from a talent perspective, for all three units of the Giants, they are not a good football team. They've been exceeding expectations. Brand new management in the building. Joe Shane, they brought over from the Bills. And obviously he hired Brian Dayball, came over from Buffalo, who worked magic with Josh Allen during their time with the Bills. They've bought in to what Brian Dayball has done. But they've come down to earth a little bit because you can only coach your backside off so much. You can only coach yourself to so many wins. Because as the saying goes, it's Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's. It's basically what that means, ladies and gentlemen, is it's who you got in uniform. Who do you have strapping up every week that can align nose to nose with the opposite team and give yourself a chance to win? We understand the concerns that they've had with Daniel Jones. This is probably his last year in New York. You go on our website, look at our mock drafts, you look at other media entities in the industry. You're going to see most likely a quarterback mocked to the New York Giants next year. Whether it's an Anthony Richardson from Florida, it's a Will Levis from Kentucky. Daniel Jones is on his last leg in New York. He's shown some decent improvements this year. He's actually been better in the pocket when he's under pressure than he has been when he's clean in the pocket, which is crazy to say. Because those are things we talk about with like Patrick Mahomes, where you don't blitz Patrick Mahomes. That's something that's well known around the league because he's just going to shred you when you send extra bodies. Daniel Jones has been better when team blitz him, blitzes him. And you look at his numbers and his turnover-worthy plays that he has when, when kept clean. He's got 10 turnover-worthy plays when he's not blitzed and eight plays when he is under pressure. So what that tells me is Defenses have allowed him to sit back on those long down and distances when they want to force him to beat him with his arm. And he's putting the football in precarious situations, allowing the defense to bat passes down, get in place for potential interceptions. 
He's reduced his turnovers this year. He's done a nice job of doing that. But when you're better, he's been better under pressure than when kept clean. That's a, if I'm a defense and I'm Jack Del Rio and I, can, and I know that I can create pressure already just by sending my front four and another week, which we'll get into the depth chart for, for New York along the front five, and they most likely will get right tackle Evan Neal, a top five pick from this year's draft back this week after not playing since week seven. But if I can create pressure with John Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, and potentially Chase Young this week or Casey Tuhill or James Smith-Williams... That's really good news because that's allowing me to drop seven. And I'm getting guys in space on the outside. We'll see if Benjamin St. Juice is back this week. He did not practice Wednesday. Again, I'm recording this on Thursday, so I do not have the practice report out for Thursday to see his status. Obviously, he missed last week against Atlanta. Washington did fine on the outside, and I think they... I don't want to say they'd be fine with Benjamin St. Juice missing this game because you always want your best guys in the lineup, but I will get into New York's wide receiver depth chart here in a second as well. But if you're able to pressure with four and allow Daniel Jones to sit back and let your guys pin their ears back with just four rushers and not sending extra bodies, not having to change the math up front, that's a really nice thing to have. Because where they're the best is giving it off to running back Saquon Barkley, who's been one of the top backs, top athletes, top playmakers in the NFL this year really has enjoyed a career revival, if you will, under Brian Dayball. Everything starts with him. Just like when we face Tennessee and Derrick Henry's running the rock. They want to get Saquon Barkley going, so then that opens up play action where Daniel Jones has been decently efficient this year. Adjusted completion percentage of almost 85% of his throws on play action. He's been best when defenses start to creep up those linebackers. Derrick Forrest comes into the box. They get one-on-ones on the outside. Again, they don't have a crazy amount of talent on the outside. They have the worst receiving core, even worse than Chicago, on the outside. I'll get into it. But for Washington this week to get pressure with their front four and say, hey, look, Daniel Jones, beat us with your arm. Throw to these guys on the outside that just really aren't good NFL receivers or NFL caliber talents. So, From there, again, their depth chart from the top, Daniel Jones quarterback, Saquon Barkley running back. That's where it starts. Along the front five, from left tackle to right tackle, they're dealing with a ton of injuries right now. I talked about Evan Neal at right tackle. He will most likely come back. He's been battling injury. He hasn't played since week seven. But left tackle, Andrew Thomas has been one of the top left tackles in the league. Another good test for Montez Sweat this week. Casey Tuhill. Those rotational guys, he's been really good. Only allowed one sack all season long. He's really come into his own after uh, being a first-round pick back in 2020 in that COVID year. Left guard has been a a mishmash of bodies. It's been some Ben Bredesen. It's been Josh Azudu, who they drafted in the third round out of North Carolina, who protected Sam Howell for a couple years down in Chapel Hill. He's been injured. He did not practice on Wednesday, so we may see some of Ben Bredesen this week again. Center is John Feliciano. Nick Gates uh, was out for the year. Feliciano came over, followed Dayball from the Bills. Has not been great. Um, Been one of their worst offensive linemen up front. So that's another spot at center for Deron Payne, John Allen to get some good work. Right guard, Mark Lewinsky, they brought over in free agency from the Indianapolis Colts. 
hasn't been great. Hasn't given up a sack in a few weeks, but consistently gives up about a pressure two or three um, a week. And when you got John Allen and Payne rushing you every every snap, you're going to give up some pressures. So that's another spot at left guard, center, right guard, the core of this Giants front five. They're going to be good with Andrew Thomas. I expect Washington to test Evan Neal after not playing for a month and a half at right tackle, see how he is feeling in that lower half. But another week where I really feel that Washington can get after Daniel Jones, even though he can move a little bit. I think he's sneakily athletic. We've seen it in the past where Daniel Jones rushes for 60, 70 yards every time we play him. But this is a good spot for Washington. And from a matchup perspective, looking at this front five for New York, they can really get after Daniel Jones this week. At tight end, another position where they've been dealing with injuries, and it's just a, a bunch of jags. It really is. Daniel Bellinger is a guy that they drafted from San Diego State, fourth rounder. He came into the draft process as the top blocking tight end in the class and actually developed into a pretty darn good option for them. Um, he's been out. He got hurt with a, a very weird eye injury, so he's been out for a while for them. It's been a lot of Chris Myrick and Tanner Hudson at tight end, a little bit of Lawrence Cager as well. Just really, just average, really below average names, guys, that they're just really having to fill in at the tight end spot. At receiver, it's ugly, folks. Kenny Galladay, they brought over from Detroit, was expected to be their wide receiver one. They handed him a bag of money, but he hasn't done anything. He's been absolutely worthless and irrelevant in that Giants offense. Kadarius Toney, they drafted in the first round uh, from Florida just a couple years ago. He is now a Kansas City Chief. They they traded him at the trade deadline. Wondell Robinson they drafted on day two this year. A dynamic talent similar to that of what they wanted with Kadarius Toney. He tore his ACL. He's out for the year. Sterling Shepard's out for the year. So their wide receiver one right now is Darius Slayton. It's guys like Richie James, Marcus Johnson, David Sills, Isaiah Hodgins. Folks, that's not a group that's going to scare anybody. It's not going to move the needle. You and I could be playing corner this week, and we'd be absolutely fine, folks. I, I promise you that. This is not going to be a game where Daniel Jones shreds a defense for 300 yards and three touchdowns. If it does, I might just end the podcast. I might just disappear, go off the grid, move into the mountains somewhere. This is a receivers group that is really bad. It is really, really bad. And it is disappointing from a wide view just because you wanted to see Kenny Galladay and you wanted to see Kadarius Toney and Wondell Robinson. That's three decent talents. Sterling Shepard's a really good talent for them. That's four guys that they expected to be all healthy and contributors this year for this offense. And neither of them have done so. Wondell was actually good before he got hurt. Um, but it's just, it's just really not a good group. It's not a good group. So I expect Kendall Fuller will probably see a lot of Christian Holmes get his second start on the outside. Thought he did a good job last week. Again, he only gave up one catch on one target for one yard last week against Atlanta. So he is looking to start again opposite Kendall Fuller if Benjamin St. Juice isn't able to go. So that is the New York Giants offense, a group where I expect Washington's defense to have another good game. Another good game. It's supposed to be clear weather in New York, chilly, early December football. That's where we're expecting to be. And if we get Chase Young back, 20, 25 snaps, maybe less, getting after Daniel Jones, 
testing Evan Neal, as obviously we know that Jack Dorio likes to align Chase Young outside at five tech outside the right tackle. That would be a nice matchup to see. You get him back and you get everyone firing along that front four, linebackers firing downhill. Jamin Davis, I thought he was not great in coverage against Atlanta last week, but he was really, really physical and aggressive and he looked quick working downhill in the run game, especially in filling gaps. Bostic as well, just a little bit. And so I just, I don't want this to be a letdown game for DC. This has all the makings of, I get, I, I see the record, 7-4. and four. I talk about it all the time. You, you are what your record says you are. 7-4, and four, you're winning ball games. But you, Giants have lost three of the last four. They just really come down to earth. Teams are starting to figure them out a little bit. People called them a fluke the first month and a half of the season. Well, you've lost three of your last four as we creep towards the back end of the season and not playing great ball, injuries in abundance. You know, this is another good spot. Washington to we're six and one in our last seven. Why not make it seven and one of our last eight? So that's their offense. Let's slide over to the defensive side of the ball. This is where their unit will keep them in ball games. I really like the pieces that New York has on defense. It's from a, a, a talent perspective, it's not crazy, but they're rallying and they play aggressive football. They brought over Wink Martindale to be their defensive coordinator, who was in Baltimore for forever with those historic Baltimore defenses getting after the quarterback. They drafted Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, edge rusher out of Oregon, who is top three in pressures for the Giants and top three in pressures among all rookies. Uh, he's been really good for them, second in sacks behind Dexter Lawrence, who leads them there. Uh, just a really, really impressive talent out of Oregon that will test Charles Leno. He will test Cornelius Lucas. He will test Sam Cosme. Sam Cosme may play some right guard this week. That's something that needs to be really really looked at and microscope in this game. I think that's going to be a turning point if Trey Turner's not able to go. I know we drafted Chris Paul out of Tulsa. That's a rookie that, you know, right now he's not really suited to come in and start. He hasn't been active at all this year. Um, so it's going to be potentially Charles Leno left guard, left tackle, excuse me, Andrew Norwell left guard. You're going to get Tyler Larson again at center. And right guard, it's not going to be Sadiq Charles. I think we've seen the last of Sadiq Charles and the Brigandine goal. When he had to come in last week when Trey Turner went out, it was ugly at right guard. So it's going to be my, Sam Cosme at right guard and Cornelius Lucas, who has done a really good job at right tackle and may even earn himself a, another year in the Brigandine goal because of the job that he's done. The tackle spot is something that we will get into. Really, the front five as a whole getting into as far as when we want to talk about the draft moving into the next few months because they are aging, right? Leno's up there. Norwell's up there. Trey Turner's getting up there. Sam Cosme's a young guy. Remember, they took him in the second round out of Texas Texas last year. Cornelius Lucas has been in the league a little bit. So potentially adding a guard or a tackle in the draft with that first round pick. Maybe they'd be most likely right now they're going to be picking into that. They're at the 20 spot right now. So that's something that we can discuss moving down the line. But this is going to be a good test for Washington's front five. Dexter Lawrence in the middle with Leonard Williams. He was traded from the Jets years ago. Lawrence was a first-round pick out of Clemson in 2019. These are some bodies, folks, 
These are guys that are really, really good ball players that not only can just clog gaps in the run, so it's going to be difficult for Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson to find those creases. I think they're going to try to press it outside as much as they can this week and force Thibodeau, force guys like Jihad Ward that came over from the Jacksonville Jaguars this week to get out in those flat areas of the defense and make some tackles. I don't think they're going to try to stuff it down Lawrence and Williams' throat. I don't think they're going to try to do that this week. They're going to try to force the outside. And then in, in, in succession, you're going to ask Taylor Heineke to get involved early with rhythm throws, get the ball out of his hand early. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to get after him this week, but I like his mobile ability. I want him to create a little bit more with his legs. I'm not asking him to run QB powers and QB sweeps do some of the things that the Bills like to do with Josh Allen or even what we saw last week with the Atlanta Falcons doing with Marcus Mariota on a lot of those RPOs and creating outside the pocket and forcing those ends to read off of whether they want to read Heineke and he can flip it outside or he reads the running back and Heineke takes it upfield for seven to nine yards. I just think that Washington will test those edge rushers this week instead of testing the guys in the middle in Lawrence and Williams that are proven guys in this league to where they can both push the pocket, stack and shed interior linemen, and really limit what you have through those A and B gaps in the run game. So from there, moving back a step, Micah McFadden, a fifth rounder that they drafted out of Indiana, has not been great this year. He gets a lot of snaps. Jalen Smith this is a guy they brought over from Dallas who's been bouncing around the league. He was with Green Bay for some time. Plays that weak side spot. Just really, again, hasn't been great. Um, but they've been some of them have been playing with their hair on fire. They've been they bought into what Wink Martindale wants to do. They get after the quarterback and they make some plays. Outside, they've been dealing with some injuries. Adoree Jackson, their top corner right now, did not practice on Wednesday. So that's something to monitor. Fabian Moreau, our old friend, Fabian Moreau. Remember, Washington drafted him uh, from UCLA years ago. He spent some time with Atlanta. Now he is in New York. He's dealing with an oblique injury. He was limited in practice yesterday. So that remains something to be seen. Those are New York's top two corners. Darnell Holmes, play, Darnay Holmes, excuse me, plays the nickel spot. He's been, he's had his ups and downs. He was good last year, but teams have picked on him a ton in coverage and just has not been great. So that's a spot where you want to put Curtis Samuel, you want to put Jahan Dotson in the slot, let him work. And good luck to Darnay Holmes. And if Jackson and Moreau are out, you know, they're going to be relying on guys like Cordell Flott, third rounder that they drafted out of LSU, kid that's 5'10 at best, 160 pounds soaking wet. And I'm not kidding, folks. He was drafted out of LSU last year at 157 pounds. Very, very light on the perimeter. He's been okay. He's got some snaps this year. But I like, you know, our bodies on the outside. We don't have some big physical receivers. I think Cam Sims fits that mold. But, you know, we don't really, we don't have a guy like Kelvin Harmon or you look back to Antonio Gandy-Golden, right? Those guys aren't on the roster. Cam Sims is our most quote-unquote, physically, impressively built, strong receiver. Terry McLaurin, Dotson, Samuel, Deami Brown, they all kind of have that similar frame, kind of that wiry frame. Not, not saying they're lanky. You know, they got some bulk to them. They're rocked up a little bit. But Cam Sims, you know, 6'4", over 200 pounds. You know, that, that's what I'm talking about as far as that physical frame. So they want to deploy Cordell Flott on one side, and you look at the opposite side, and it's Nick McLeod or Rodarius Williams, you know, good luck because at safety, they got Julian Love and Jason Pennick. They drafted Dane Belton out of Iowa in the fourth round this year. Gets a ton of snaps as well. They, have to, they like to run a lot of the three safety looks that Washington does with Cam Curl, Bobby McCain, and Derek Forrest. 
And Belton's played some decent football. He's been okay during the middle portions of the season, but he's been picked on in coverage, hasn't been great in the run game, missed a few tackles over these last few weeks. Uh, I didn't mention at the second level, I want to go back, They Tay Crowder was their starter for the first eight weeks of the season. I, I, I don't even really have a word in my thesaurus burning through my brain right now to describe really just how bad Tay Crowder has been for that defense. And he's he's a guy that's going to be gone. He's His snaps have decreased every single week as he moved toward in the back half of the season. Just really not good football for him at that second level. And that's why you're seeing a lot of these younger players and the Micah McFadden's and the Timon Foxes. That was a college free agent in 2022 from this past spring. So, you know, the, this, this defense has some bodies and it starts at the front four. Kayvon Thibodeau, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams. These are their bodies. This is where they, the straw that stirs this defense. Adoree Jackson and Fabian Moreau. Adoree Jackson's been above average this year on the outside. He's not some dynamic, physical corner, long, can get his hands inside of you. He just understands the optics of playing the position. Five foot ten CB1. That's what he is on the outside. A lot like what Kendall Fuller has been right now. Not a dynamic, physically impressive talent. You know, he's not built like a sauce gardener in New York. That's, that's not his build. He just understands the optics of playing the position and allowing guys like Julian Love and Pinnock and Belton over the top, play that too high, maybe some cover three, allowing the guy, the safety to come down the robber spot, play the middle half of the field. They do some different things on, on defense for, the, for New York. You look at what Wink Martindale wants to do getting after the passer. And I fully expect them to stack the box this week and force Taylor Heineke to beat them down the field, which is every single team's recipe for success on the defensive side of the ball. I've told you guys about my worries that still remain with Taylor in this offense. There's a lot of worries. He needs to get his arm involved early for this offense to reach his performance ceiling. They cannot just run the ball 40 times a game, especially when you creep into playoff time, and expect to win football games because you're going you're to be facing better defenses, better coaches, better defensive coordinators. Everything ties together. You're going to have to throw the ball with some success. And for teams that throw the ball with a lot of success, you're going to have to prove that you can run the ball with success. It all ties into each other. You know, we don't have a Derrick Henry. Maybe Brian Robinson becomes that down the road. And he looked darn good against Atlanta. And Atlanta was stacking the box sometimes with seven, eight guys and playing man on the outside, especially in that first half of the ballgame. But Taylor Heineke is going to have to prove that he can deliver the ball downfield on time and with some pop. Because you got too many weapons on the outside, I don't need to go into all the names. You guys know the names. You know the talent. You know the potential to get them involved. I don't want to see Curtis Samuel have nine carries with McLaurin having three and Jahan Dotson having two to be unique on jet sweeps. I don't want to see Terry McLaurin's three out of his six catches be on screens. Same with Curtis Samuel and Dotson as well. John Dotson wasn't involved last week against Atlanta. I get it. It was a sloppy game. Both teams wanted to run the football. I, I understand that. But Washington is going to have to throw the ball with success to reach their performance ceiling. It's been fine right now. Our defense is holding teams under 17 points a game seemingly every single week. That, that under 21 point mark that we always talk about. They're holding teams under that. But last week, there were multiple opportunities for Washington to punch it in the end zone. And if it wasn't Brian Robinson running over Dar- uh, 
Darren Hall or Antonio Gibson running over people, you know, almost 40 attempts total, it wasn't anything. John Bates and Antonio Gibson were two of Washington's leading receivers against Atlanta. Terry McLaurin was obviously on top. I want to get the guys on the perimeter more involved. I'm not, and I'm not saying, I'm not asking Taylor Heineke to be a world beater and start pumping hole shots or pumping far boundary throws into tight windows. He doesn't have that talent to do so. And I'm not being a hater. I'm just being honest with you guys. We talk about it so many times where you look at film and say, oh, this guy was open. Why didn't he hit him? He doesn't have the arm to make the throw. And sometimes that comes down to Washington being conceptually false and, and wrong with Scott Turner because why are you scheming up those routes when you know Taylor Heineke can't make that throw? We know what we get with number four under center. He's an X factor. I get that. He is a leader. And he's a guy that you can win football games with. Not because of, not because he's going to shred a defense, not because he's going to throw for 300 plus and multiple touchdowns, turnover free football, throwing 40 plus attempts. You can win with him, not because of him. And if this week, I expect Washington to throw a little bit more, get him involved in some more boot action, right? Get him outside the pocket, creating on the run, which he does a nice job of doing, hitting those tight ends over the intermediate portions of the offense. When I look at this secondary for New York and the injuries that they have and the young guys at the second level and the experience that Washington has at their receiver position and at the tight end position headlined by Logan Thomas and guys running their tail off and a veteran in Antonio Gibson and a guy in Brian Robinson that has multiple years, obviously, experience in the SEC and then coming in now to the NFL level with a massive chip on his shoulder and coming off a 100-yard game, his first in his career. This could be a game where Washington puts up its highest point total of the year. They really could. I think they have a chance to score a lot of points this week. I think this is a huge statement game for Taylor Heineke. Been a great story. We've talked about that. But now it's really time to showcase the weapons that this Washington offense has against a unit that is 7-4, and four, but not playing good ball and dealing with injuries, dealing with that adversity that I always talk about, a great chance to go into MetLife, into their gym, and embarrass them, embarrass them on their own turf. That is what I expect from Washington this week. They're playing with a ton of juice. We see it on, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Now it's time for the offense to really get going as we head in to week 13 and a huge NFC East matchup. Seven and five Washington Commanders traveling to seven and four New York Giants, one o'clock at MetLife Stadium. So that's going to do it for this episode. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a like, share, review, subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. All my written work is housed at thedraftnetwork.com, including more video and audio content. If you don't already, shoot me a follow on Twitter, underscore Ryan Fowler. Again, always appreciate your guys' time. Big weekend in college football starts on Friday night with the Pac-12 title game between USC and Utah. We got a huge title games championship Saturday. Big 12, SEC with LSU and Georgia this week. So enjoy your Saturday slate. And then Sunday, 1 o'clock, 
at MetLife Stadium. Commanders, Giants, another chance for Washington to continue their hot streak and really announce themselves to not just the NFC, but the NFL as a team that's playing hot when it matters most. So again, thank you guys for tuning in. I will talk to you on Monday with a recap of, again, hopefully a win for the Washington Commanders to get to 7-1 in their last eight ballgames. So thank you again for tuning in, guys. Always appreciate your time. I'm Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.